In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let us read two verses from the book of Acts, chapter 24, verse 15 and 16. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. So St. Paul in these two verses is saying that I believe in the resurrection of the dead. Which means my life after I die is, is not the end. There is another life, eternal life. And because of this knowledge, I strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and toward men. So I like to speak about this verse, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. So first I like to speak about conscience, the types of conscience. Then about without offense, what does this mean toward God and toward men? And the last point, how to strive to have this conscience without offense toward God and toward men. The first point, conscience means what? Conscience means what? You know, when we speak about a person uh, in coma, we say he lost his consciousness, his unconscious. So the word conscience means the knowledge of one's self. I am conscious of who I am. That's literally what the word conscience is. You know, in any government, in any country, you have three authorities. Authority that makes the decision, authority that executes the decision, an authority that judge the performance of the people. Like the Congress, they make the decision. The government executes the decision. And the court and the judge, they judge the performance, right? Whether the people walk according to the law or not. In the same way, in any human being, I have these three authorities. Your mind and your heart is the authority that makes decisions and we keep them, we store them in the mind and the heart. So the mind and the heart like the parliament, like the Congress. Who executes the will? The will executes the decisions. So if my mind said, this is wrong, by my will, I will avoid it. 
if my mind said it is okay, that's lawful to go and to help the poor, for example, so by my will, I will exude this decision and I go and help the poor. Who will judge me whether I am walking according to the law of the mind and the heart? It is your conscience. The conscience is the authority that make a judgment in your heart. Any believer have the Holy Spirit enlightening the heart and mind to make laws according and matching the law of God. And the Holy Spirit anointing the will to be a strong will. And the Holy Spirit anointing the conscience to make godly judgment. And this is a big difference between a believer and a non-believer. So, what are the different types of conscience? The Bible spoke about 10 different types of conscience. The first one in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. So any commandment, the purpose of any commandment is love. If we want to summarize all the commandments in one word, it will be love. But there is true love and false love. The true love comes from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. So, what is a good conscience? The good conscience is judge who actually make judgment according to the law. So, if you violated the law, your conscience will rebuke you. For example, if my law that my heart and my mind made, you must help the poor. Then if I see somebody who is poor and I skipped him, I did not help him, then my good conscience will tell me, you're wrong. But we will read about a pure conscience, a pure conscience. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 9. 1 Timothy 3, 9. Holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. A pure conscience. So what is the difference between pure conscience and good conscience? I told you that good conscience makes judgment according to the law. But sometimes the law of my heart and my mind 
not in accordance to the law of God. I grew in a culture that permitted, for example, premarital sex. And this culture don't see anything wrong in this. So I grew in this culture, and because of this, my conscience will not blame me for this, because I believe that nothing wrong with it. So the good conscience will, will judge your decisions or your action or your behavior based on your laws, whether the law is right or wrong. But the pure conscience judge based on the law of God. That's the big difference between the good conscience and the pure conscience. That's why it's called pure, undefiled, uncontaminated by the world and the laws of the world. So the good conscience is a conscience that judge rightly, but according to my laws, whether my law is right or wrong. The pure conscience is a conscience that judge my behavior according to the law of God. Then there is an evil conscience in Hebrew chapter 10, 22. Hebrew 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So what is the evil conscience? Evil conscience is the opposite of the good conscience. Evil conscience is like a judge. You bribe him, so he twists the judgment. So I bribe my conscience, and my conscience twists the, uh, the judgment. But in Titus 1, and verse 15, we read about a defiled conscience, defiled. Verse 15, to the pure all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. I told you the pure conscience is pure, no defilement, no contamination. So the defiled conscience is the opposite of what? Of the pure conscience. So we have the good conscience and its opposite, the evil conscience. Then we have the pure conscience and its opposite, the defiled conscience, right? In Romans 2.15, we will learn about the fifth and sixth types of conscience. In Romans 2.15. Who show 
the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. So there is accusing conscience or excusing conscience. Accusing conscience is the conscience that always make an accusation for me. Always, always, a prosecutor. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. That's accusing conscience, always blaming me. The excusing conscience is the conscience that always find excuses for me. Find excuses for me. So there is good conscience, evil conscience, pure conscience, defiled conscience, accusing conscience, and executing conscience. Okay. Number seven, in Hebrew, chapter 10, And verse 2, St. Paul was speaking about how in the Old Testament they were offering sacrifices every day. So he said, for then would they not have ceased to be offered if this offering, not a symbol, but a real offering that can purify and cleanse us, they wouldn't need to offer it every day. The fact that they offer it every day means it's just a symbol. For the worshippers, once purified, would have, would have had no more consciousness of sin. Conscience of sin. So, what is a conscience of sin? In the Old Testament, everybody has this conscience of sin. Because there was no forgiveness. Even people who got promise of forgiveness, they, not, they did not get the actual forgiveness till the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the conscience of sin is the conscience that does not accept the forgiveness. Maybe I repented and I confessed my sin, and I took communion, but still I live with a conscience of sin, like in the Old Testament. And I feel heavy, I feel blamed because of my sins. Number eight, there is a weak conscience, 1 Corinthians 8, 12. 1 Corinthians 8, 12. A weak conscience is the conscience that does not have enough knowledge. And because they don't have enough knowledge, I feel everything is wrong. Like in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he was speaking about sacrifices offered to the idols. If I have knowledge, I would say 
There is nothing called the idol. There is nothing called the other God because there is no God except the true God. So if you tell me this sacrifice is offered to an idol, in reality it's offered to nothing because there is nothing called the idol. But some people did not have this knowledge. And because they did not have this knowledge, when they see you eating sacrifices offered to the idols, as if you believe in the idols and you worship the idols. So St. Paul said, and when thus, when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against brother. So, in verse uh, in verse 7 he said, however, there is not in everyone that knowledge. So this knowledge not in everyone. So the people who did not have this knowledge, the true knowledge, their conscience is weak. Their conscience is weak. Uh, then number nine, the conscience without offense, that's the one we read it in uh, Acts chapter 24, verse 16. The verses I read in the beginning. Conscience without offense. So, so far we mentioned nine conscience. The good conscience and the evil conscience. The pure and the undefiled conscience. Then, the accusing and the excusing conscience. The conscience of sin, the weak conscience, and the conscience without offense. The last one in first Timothy chapter 4. Verse 2. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. The seared conscience. Why? It's like cauterization. Why you cauterize anything? Why? In order to kill it. So it will have no sensation. So when my conscience rebuke me, rebuke me, I may decide, decide to sear it with a hot iron to do cauterization, to kill it, to have a dead conscience. So my conscience will not blame me. I will be insensitive and indifferent to sins. That's how the Bible describes them. They drink iniquity like water. They drink iniquity like water. Because their conscience is seared. So these are the ten types of the conscience. Again, quickly, good conscience and evil, it's opposite. Pure and undefi uh, undefiled. Then accusing and excusing. A conscience of sin and a weak conscience. Conscience without offense and a seared conscience. Right? We as Christians, 
We are required to train ourselves. No, not only train, to strive to have conscience without offense toward God and toward men. Some people may have the knowledge and the good faith and the sound doctrine. But if you don't have the good conscience or more accurately the pure conscience, then you will end up in shipwreck. That's what St. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 19. He said, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. So he say, maybe you have a faith and a good conscience. But if some rejected the good conscience, what will happen to the faith? Concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. Meaning, I know all the theology. I have the sound doctrine in my heart. But my judgment and my behavior is wrong. I don't have a pure conscience. So what will happen? Eventually, this will affect my faith. And eventually, my faith will be twisted. So, as St. Paul said, they have suffered shipwreck. St. Paul said, I always strive myself to have a conscience without offense. Now understood what conscience is. So what is the offense? How can I define offense? Offense is one of three things. Either I cause you to sin. I give you cigarette to smoke. I give you weeds to smoke. I give you alcohol. So here actually, I am causing you to sin. Or I hurt you. So when I hurt you, this also considered, considered offense. Number three, or I become obstacle in your spiritual growth. You're going to look at me and see, oh, the bishop is swearing, the bishop is lying, the bishop is cursing. Then actually, when you see my weakness like this, you are offended. And then this can be an obstacle in your spiritual growth. So the offense can either I cause you to sin, or I hurt you, or I uh, become an obstacle 
pure spiritual growth. But also, I want to say that the offense can be because of me or can be because of your bad eye. If you have an evil eye or a bad eye, then you will be offended with me even if I don't do anything wrong. Like the scribe and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Israel, they were offended at the Lord Jesus Christ. When he healed the man who was born blind, they were offended. When he said, I and the Father are one, they were offended. But did he did Did he do anything wrong? No, he did not. The problem was not in the Lord Jesus Christ. The problem was in their eyes. So we need to differentiate between these two elements. Maybe I am the reason of the offense, or maybe it is your eye that's evil or bad, that offend you, not me. And we need to differentiate between the two scenarios. He said, I strive to have conscience without offense toward God and toward people. How toward God? Toward God when I always blame God. I forget all the blessings that he gave me and I grumble and blame him for anything. Like a student did not study well, so he failed the exam. So the first thing, God, why you did this to me? Here actually you are hurting God because you are blaming God for something he didn't do. A youth actually used drug and his parents knew this and they let it go. And he became an addict. And one day he died from overdosage. Then they blame God. Why my son died? Why you took my son from me? How can I blame God for something he didn't do? This is offense toward God. Also, when I offer God something bad, not the best, of what I have. If you read Malachi chapter 1 and verse 14, Malachi 1 and verse 14, but cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a meal and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord 
what's blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. So, I made a vow to offer God a sacrifice. And I have a good male among my flock. But I decided to keep the good sheep for myself. And then I'll take another sheep that's blemished and offer to God. As if I'm saying God does not deserve the best. That's why the Lord said, I am a great king and my name is to be feared among the nations. Many times we give God the down side of our time, of anything, our effort. You know, after I am so exhausted, I open my Bible and start reading it. After I'm so tired, I start to pray and just recite our Father heart in heaven quickly and, and go to bed. You know, I don't give the best of my time, the best of my life. When I become old in my 70s or 60s, I start going back to the church and going back to God. That's why the Bible tells us, remember the Lord your God in the days of your youth. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. You need to give God the best of what you have. That's why some monasteries don't accept people who are old to join the monastery. You need to give God the best of your life. Otherwise, you are saying or implying that God doesn't deserve the best of my life. Also, another principle that is not clear in our mind, the difference between the holy and the lawful. In Ezekiel 44.23 God is instructing actually the priest, and they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the unholy. Unholy means something lawful, but unholy. What's the difference? Let me give you an example. You know the chalice that has the blood? Okay. Drinking coffee or tea is something bad, something sinful? No. But can I drink tea or coffee in the chalice? No, I cannot. Why? Because it is holy, it is consecrated, it's dedicated to God. But many people 
they cannot differentiate between the holy and the unholy. And when we speak about holy and unholy, it applies for three things. Places, time, and people. Places like the church, it is a holy place. Then actually, when I come to the church, I, I should differentiate and distinguish. This is a holy place. I cannot dress when I come to the church like when I go uh, to the beach, for example. I need to come to the church with reverence, modest clothing. Otherwise, I will be offending God because I'm not distinguishing between what's holy and what's unholy. Do you remember when the Lord said to Moses, take your shoes off, take your sandals off because the place on which you are standing is the holy ground? So God wants us to treat the holy ground differently. Treat the church differently. Many people right now, they come to the church with unacceptable clothing. They don't distinguish between what is holy and what is unholy. What about time? The, we, we, one of the Ten Commandments Keep the day of the Lord holy. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Meaning what? Certain days, they are different than the rest of the days. And I should keep these days holy. Holy means to do godly things in this day. The day of the Lord, Sunday, the day of fasting, the feasts of the Lord. For example, now we are fasting the great fast. It is unholy to waste your time watching movies and watching TV and sport. Dedicate this time in prayer, in reflection, in meditation, studying the scripture. Don't waste the holy great fast doing unholy things. The argument here, but what's wrong? What's wrong if I, I, I watch a sport? Nothing wrong with it. Yes, I know it's lawful. Nothing wrong with it. But this does not befit the holiness of these days. Keep the day of the Lord holy. And number three, I told you holy and unholy applies for places, for time, for people. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. So me, as a believer, should be different than any unbeliever. I am holy nation. We are holy nation, we are different. My behavior, my conduct, should be different than the rest of the world. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So it's very important to distinguish between holy and unholy. And also among the Christian, among the believers, 
people who consecrated their life, like Sunday school servant, you should be different than the rest of the believers. Monks, nuns, consecrated sisters should be different than the rest of the believers. Priests should be different. Bishops, patriarchs should be different. Deacons should be different. And the higher you go on the rank, the more expectation from you by God. That's why St. Paul and St. Peter said, instruct the deacons, instruct the priests, instruct the bishops. Which means they are required to keep a higher standard than the rest of the believers. Why? Because they are holy. So when I don't distinguish between holy and unholy, I am causing offense to God. I'm offending God because I am treating the holy as the unholy. That's why the Lord said the priest should teach the people to distinguish between holy and unholy. To have a conscience without offense toward God. What about my spiritual rule? Am I following the spiritual rule and spiritual canon? Am I respecting the church like during the time of the liturgy? When we chat, when we laugh, when we talk, when we check our phones, when we check our emails, our social media, when we text and, and respond to messages during the liturgy, all these are offense toward God. We are not respecting, we are not dealing with the holy time in a godly way. So these are toward God. St. Paul said, I strive to have a good conscience or a conscience without offense toward God. What about toward people? Any public sin, when I curse, when I swear, when I lie, actually I'm offending the people. The Lord expecting from us as his children, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. But when I conduct myself with unchristian behavior, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, my mouth, I have sins of tongues like the non-believers, I'm causing offense. In, in my family, how I deal with my spouse and my children, in a Christian way or a non-Christian way? Am I raising my children in the fear of God or not? If I'm not raising my children in the fear of God, then I'm causing offense to my children. Anger abuse, judgment, getting involved with the politics of the church, lack of patience, lack of endurance, becoming so defensive and offensive if somebody criticized you. 
causing division in the family or the church or in the, in the work field. Not encouraging other, but always, always blaming others. Not submissive to authorities, whether civil or religious. Believing or holding false doctrine or wrong doctrine. Uh, I'm not a good example before my children. I am not kind with others, but there is harshness. I don't speak the truth in love. I use the malice and the cunning in dealing with others, and I call it wisdom. I don't accept apology when somebody hurts me and come to apologize, and I insist on not to reconcile with him. Love of money, love of pleasure, love of ego, pride, materialism, hedonism. Putting my interest above everybody else. And many, many others. These all offenses that can offend people around me. That's why St. Paul said, I strive always to have a conscience without offense toward God and toward men. So we spoke about conscience, we spoke about offense, and we explained what did he mean by toward God and men. Here he said, I strive always. So the striving should be always continuous then how to strive? What are the practical steps to strive to have a conscience without offense? Number one, you need to set the goal. What was the goal? Do you remember in verse 15, Acts 24, 15, he said, I believe there is resurrection of the dead. Because I believe there is resurrection of the dead, that's why I strive. So the goal here is not just to brag before God. The goal here is not just to say, God, I am a good person. Like the Pharisee who entered the temple and prayed, God, I fast two days in the week. I give the tithe of my money to the poor. I am not like the tax collector. No, 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 no. This is not the goal. Or the goal to get praised by people. You are a good person. You are a saint, you are an angel. That's not the goal. But the goal actually, how to glorify Christ through my behavior and through my contact, and then to have eternal life. That is the goal. And to have a conscience without offense, you cannot have it without a good bond and relationship and connection with God. If there is a bond and connection with God, then you will have the good conscience. But practically, I like to speak about five points. How to strive or how to train yourself.
First point is admitting and taking responsibility or the theological term confession. I mean, if I offend somebody, I have to take responsibility and I have to confess it. Confess it before God, confess it before the person whom I offended and take responsibility in front of myself. If you have an excusing conscience who will find excuse for you, then you will never take responsibility. Also, some people have an accusing conscience. Always, always, always blame them. Like if you have a false alarm and all the time giving you a false alarm. That's why you need to examine yourself in the light of the law of God, in the light of the commandment of God. And when I find myself blamed, I take responsibility. Like David, when Nathan told him, you are the man, he said, I have sinned against God. He immediately took responsibility. He did not try to excuse himself. He had the pure conscience. That's why God said about David, a man after my own heart. Number two, not only to admit it before others, but you need to go and seek forgiveness from others that you offended them. If I offended my family, my co-workers, people here in the church, I have to go with remorse, with true humbleness, and asking forgiveness from that person. Because I offended him. And the Bible said, woe to whom or woe to him by whom offenses might come. It's better for them to be drowned in the sea. So number one, to confess it, admit it, take responsibility. Number two, to ask forgiveness with a true remorse, with a true godly sorrow, with a true humbleness. Number three, As St. John the Baptist said, do works that befit repentance. Zacchaeus offended people. He was unfair and just to them. So he compensated each one for faults. So if I offended somebody, it's not enough to admit that I offended him. It's not enough just to ask forgiveness. But I need actually to try to correct what I did wrong and to compensate for this according to the guidance of my spiritual father. So to strive to have a conscience without offense, number one, take responsibility, number two, ask forgiveness, number three, do works befit repentance. Number four, 
avoid postponing, avoid delaying. Many times when my conscience starts to blame me or rebuke me, I say, but not now. Yes, I will do it, but not now. By suppressing my conscience over and over and over and over, I am searing it. It will become a seared conscience. You know the seared conscience with a hot iron? I am putting it to death. I am killing it. That's why when your conscience rebuke you, immediately respond and do what you need to do, either to apologize, ask forgiveness, correct what you did wrong. That's why to keep your conscience without offense, you need immediately to handle the situation or the offense in the right way. The last point is reciting and meditating in the Word of God. If you want your conscience to be a, a pure conscience, judge that make judgment according to the law of God, then you need to feed your tongue, your, your conscience with the word of God. Because the word of God will tell you what's right and what's wrong. The word of God is the light that will enlighten our way. Do you remember the weak conscience I told you because you don't have the knowledge? So in order your conscience will not be a weak conscience, you need to have the knowledge. And where you get the knowledge? From the scripture. Reciting the word of God day and night, knowing the commandment of God, knowing the truth, knowing the divine truth, knowing what the Bible says about. Especially now in the world, People are putting the standard of the Bible on the side and they are following human standards. What we see around us from sexual immorality and transgenderism and same-sex marriage, homosexuality, this tells us clearly that this society now putting aside completely the word of God and they are to follow a mind of their own, not the mind of Christ. But we, the children of God, we need to feed ourselves by the Holy Scripture. We understood it as the early church fathers, and we apply it as the ascetic fathers, how they apply it in their life. If you do this, always and continuously, you will have a conscience without offense toward God and toward men. So let us all, especially during this great fast, let us all say with St. Paul, I strive always to have conscience without offense toward God and toward men. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.